Welcome to the Word Made Plain with Senior Pastor Tony Clark of Calvary Chapel, Newport News in Virginia. Currently, Pastor Tony is teaching through the book of Joshua. Please open your Bible to Joshua chapter 6. How many times have our tongues got us into trouble? Oh, James has a descriptive (laughs) <laughs> the way he describes the tongue in James chapter three and verses five and six is just amazing to me. He said the tongue, he said, no man can tame the tongue. He said, it's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And he says it is, it has a direct, and this is a Tony Clark translation. It says it has a direct pipeline to hell itself. The tongue. How many gentle spirits been broken by the tongue? How many creative children have been crushed by the tongue of a parent or a teacher? How many people have been just, just broken over the tongue? This eight ounce thing here. Between our tongue and our lips, I mean, between our, our, this thing here, our chin and our nose, <laughs> it's a wicked little thing there. It's the smallest thing. James describes it as, as like, you know, you got a big giant ship, cruise ship or something, and you got a little bitty wheel that controls that ship. He said, that's how the tongue controls us. It's a wicked thing. So if they couldn't control their tongues, they couldn't defeat their enemies. So God was teaching them discipline. Discipline. This is why David said in Psalm 141, verse 3, he says, set a guard over my mouth. Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. Oh, we need to pray that every day. Every day we wake up. We wake up just grumpy, mad at the world. How you wake up like that? Wake up like, oh, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Then get back in that sucker and get back on the other side. Get out on the other side. And folks just mean, nasty. How you wake up like that? I don't understand. I'm not a, and then they blame, I'm not a morning person. Go around. Dude, you just woke up. You kidding me? Yeah, I mean, you just woke up. Okay. Even if you had a bad dream or whatever, you woke up and saw it wasn't real. I mean, it's like, you kidding me? I mean, we should wake up with a smile. Just like, whoa, another day God's giving me. Hey, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We say that for every day, even though that's talking about another day. But it's okay to use it for that. But I, I, we need to set a guard over our lips. I'm sure that the people of Jericho were just blown away seeing this group of people walking. Watch this. Peacefully quietly disciplined while the trumpets were playing. I know that they heard horror stories about them. Oh, those Israelites, boy, they're some mean people, boy. They, they defeated Og and Sihon on the other side of the river. They had God opened up and destroyed them folks and did that. I'm sure they heard horror stories, but none of those things were true. In their eyes, in the eyes of the people of Jericho. 
because they saw them walking around peacefully, quietly, disciplined, and the trumps were pl- trumpets were playing. And they said, "This is this is nothing like w- w- what I heard." And so too many people have heard horror stories about Christians, how hypocritical and judgmental we are, how we think we're better than everyone else, our noses up in the air at folks when we walk around and we just kind of look down you, mere sinners, you. Look at all you peasant people on this job, you wicked man. Hell is waiting on y'all. And a lot of Christians are like that. But when they see you walking around peacefully, patiently, quietly, and disciplined, they will think differently about Christianity. This is why I tell folks, stop being weird. Just be, just be normal. I told the folks in California, stop being weird. So y'all weird out here. Stop being weird. I said, just be normal. People will think differently about Christianity. Now, in verses 12 through 16, Joshua and the Israelites did exactly what the Lord told them to do. Joshua and the priests rose up early in verse 12, and they went out blowing the trumpets in verse 13. In verse 14, they obeyed and circled the city one time and came back to the camp. On the seventh day, they went out and marched around the city seven times, according to verse 15. On the seventh time around, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Now, in cases like this, there are times for you to speak. You say, well, when? When the Lord has given you the city. When God has given you the victory and the walls come down, then shout in praise and worship to God. There's a time, there's a time to shout in praise and worship to God when the walls come down. Because only he could have brought down those walls. Well, what happened here? Look at verses 17 to 21. Now the city uh, shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are in her house because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. We're going to see what that means in chapter seven, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to come back to that. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep, and donkey with the edge of the sword. Now, people freak out about that today. Don't Please don't freak out. Understand that God gave these people, all the ites, the Gergesites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hittites, all them ites, all those ites, he gave them four hundred years to repent. Four hundred years. Four hundred 
years. That is such a long time. That's a long time. I mean, you just think, you know, folks coming over here in 1607, uh, a little over 400 years ago. Just think about that. That's how long God gave them to repent. So there's no, all of a sudden God just said, oh, look at these innocent people. Let me just wipe them out. No, no. They had 400 years to turn. One scholar said this, and I thought was fascinating. He said, every day the Israelites walked around the wall, God was giving Jericho a chance to repent. He was giving them a chance because they knew who they were. They were scared in fear. They knew who they were. They could have easily said, you know what? We need to, we need to get it right with the God of Israel. And they still refused, still refused. So they got wiped out. Now, it was, it, it was just that simple. Yeah. Now in these verses, we see that the city was doomed by the Lord to destruction. According to verse 17, only Rahab the harlot shall live. Oh, it's very obvious that the part of the wall that her house was on, it, it stood. That didn't fall down. Uh, then they were told in verse 18, watch this, to abstain from the accursed things or the things that belong to the Lord. They were told in verse 19 that all of the gold, silver, iron, and vessels of bronze were consecrated or set apart to the Lord, and they were not to touch them, nor take them for themselves. And seeing that Joshua was the first city in the promised land, God was teaching them very early on that the first belongs to him. Because it's obvious that God is teaching this principle because it shows that God is to be first in their lives. And this principle still stands today. The first still belongs to to the Lord. The first of our day, the first of our energy, the first of our income, it belongs to God. It belongs to the Lord. I have to ask you this. Have you been touching the accursed thing? Have you been touching what belongs to God? It's called the accursed thing because it belongs to God and you've been touching it. That's why it's called the accursed thing. And we will see God's will next week. What happens when we take what belongs to God in our lives or for ourselves? This is serious business. This is serious, serious stuff. Now, see, here's the thing. I'm just, you know me, I'm going to keep it 100 with you. I'm going to keep it, keep it real with you. Please realize that this is for every church. God provides for that church from the people who call that their church. And I'm very thankful for many of you. We're only here now in this facility because of you. And I'm thankful for those of you who have been given above and beyond and notice you're able to give it because you are a giver and God won't be a debtor to anyone. You can never outgive God. So because you give, he keeps pouring into your life and you keep giving more. He keeps pouring, he keeps giving more. Some of you know nothing about that. You know nothing about it. 
And I feel bad. I feel sorry for you because you you will always struggle. We're most like God when we give. For God so loved the world he gave. We're most like him when we give and watch this and when we forgive. We're most like God. I promised to God in prayer that I will never again get up and beg and plead. I, well, I never did do that anyway. To beg and plead for anyone to give a nickel. I never did do that anyway. However, I said, I'm not going to start. And I said, God, I never want to guilt your people into doing anything. I said, they're yours. Giving is a matter of the heart. So God, the heart is your business. And these are your people. God, get your people. <laughs> you get them. They, I mean, they're yours. So, so God was teaching them this principle. Don't touch the accursed thing. Remember, it's called a cursed thing because it belongs to God and you've been touching it. You don't touch it to go on vacation, to buy Christmas gifts, to fool around with in the summertime. You don't, you don't touch what belongs to God. You know, I, I was taught very early when I first got saved, I was, because I, I got saved in, in a, in a holiness kind of church. And so, you know, they, 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 they put the fear of God in us and the raft of God and, you know, and so I was always taught, you, you don't, you, you don't, play, you don't play with God. You don't play with God. And I, I was taught that. I, I, I was taught that very early on. So you, you, you don't, you don't do that. So therefore I was afraid. I got, I remember one, I remember one time I forgot the, this was in the days where we, we, we wrote checks. And I, and I forgot to write the check for the, for the tithe. And I was like, God's going to get me. And you better believe I went up there and, you know, I, you know, I had to go up there the next day and, you know, doing business hours and I had to, I had to put it in there. I was, I was afraid. I was afraid God was going to get me. I was afraid of God. So the thing is, is that, you know, God was teaching them this principle and he's teaching it to us today. Now in verses uh, 22 to 25, we see that the spies goes to, uh, they go to the house of Rahab and rescues her, her family, and takes them outside the camp, according to verse 23. They burned the city in verse 24, but spared the silver and gold and other vessels. And this is what I was thinking about just before service. And I added this in, in, in my notes because notice how they burned the city but they spared the silver and gold because they, and the reason why is because the silver and the gold, it belonged to God. Oh, you can do what you want. You can burn through your money, but you better make sure you set aside what belongs to God. Jesus said, render unto Caesar, the things that belong to Caesar and to God, the things that belong to God. We don't mind giving to Caesar. Caesar is the IRS. We give to Caesar and we shake. But it says give to God what belongs to him. 
uh, as well. So Rahab and her family dwelt with the Israelites from that day on. I'm sure one of the spies, you remember because many scholars believe one of the spies married Rahab. I'm sure when he, you know, Joshua said, now go get Rahab and her family. I'm sure when he saw it, he said, man, you still fine. Come on. You know, really. <laughs> and he got, you know, and they end up getting, you know, getting married. And I'm sure, see, y'all don't think about these kind of things when you're reading about, I, I, I think about this kind of stuff. Look at verses 26 and 27 as we wrap it up. It says, then Joshua charged them at that time saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay his foundation with his firstborn and with his youngest, he shall set up his gates. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout all the country. Now, in these verses, we see Joshua pronounces a curse on anyone who tries to rebuild the city of Jericho. Whoever tries it, it will be at the expense of their firstborn as he lays the foundation and he will lose his youngest son as he hangs the gates. And you know what? This is exactly what happened in first Kings chapter 16, verse 34 with a man named Hiel. He tried to rebuild Jericho. He laid the foundation. He lost his firstborn. And as he hung the doors, he lost his youngest. Isn't that an amazing story? Incredible. Oh, but you know what? This is a warning to us. When God has caused the walls to come down between you and someone you have been at odds with, guard your heart because there will always be a high ill who will try to come around and rebuild that wall between you and that person saying things like, uh, you should have made them suffer a little more or you were too easy on them. Guard your heart and go in and enjoy this new fellowship that you have with this person and don't allow a hail to cause you to rebuild the wall of Jericho in your life because it's very easy to do you I let them you you let them come back home oh I, uh, I don't know about you huh and you're like yeah yeah and you got the brick and mortar out, you know, trying to rebuild the, rebuild the wall back up. There will always be a hail that will come and want to rebuild that wall between you and that person. Guard your heart. Enjoy the new fellowship. The wall came down. God brought it down. Enjoy the new fellowship that you have with that person that you've been at odds with. And, and all, watch out for the hails. They come around. They come around. They sent by Satan. See, they sent by Satan to guard your heart. Let me conclude with this. Let the walls come down. I, I know that sometimes we don't want to let them come down. You know why? Because it's easier if they remain. You stay over there and I will stay over here. That's that. No, God wants us to be uh, uh, peacemakers. And reconcilers, 
God has a plan for them to come down these walls and it is not by might nor by power, but it's going to be by God's spirit. He may ask us to do something unusual or some unusual things, but they're teaching us patience is teaching us discipline is teaching us to rely upon the Lord because all because God has been working in your life this way. He's not going to always work in your life that way. And if you have some walls up between you and someone, I want you to come today for some prayer. Come for prayer and allow you, allow yourself to be open to God speaking to you and allow the Lord to show you something that he maybe have not shown you before. Maybe you haven't been open to this instruction that he's giving you now because you were close to it the whole time. Now you see that God was speaking to you because you sense God saying something. You're like, that's weird. Is that God? Now you call it weird. God just said, I'm moving in a different way in your life right now because you think you know me. You don't know me. My ways are past finding out. See, this is why we have to walk moment by moment with him. And, and, and we all, we, we, we deal with people. We did, we, we, we're in close proximity to people. And we don't realize what dealing with people would do. See, the Bible says in somewhere around first Peter two nine that we're living, living stones. You know, you look at a building, stones are placed next to each other. Those, those are dead stones. We're living stones. That means we next to each other and we rubbing and we rubbing. There's, with movement, you have friction. And God allowed for that person to be right there next to you in your life and it's friction. You know why? Because there's some jagged, rough edges in your life that he's using that person to smooth out. Lord, why this person? I don't mind anybody, but I do mind them. And that will be the one God will place you next to because he sees some jagged, rough edges that whenever people come around you in that way, they get stuck. They get pricked with your the hands get cut, rubbing up against you. And God says, I know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. I got somebody just for them. And he places them right next to you. And they're moving, you moving. You're like, oh, I can't stand that person. Every time they're around that, their mouth and just, oh, I just can't. And God said, God is up. The Bible said God is in the heavens laughing. And that's what God wants to do. And maybe you have these walls up. There's going to be some people available to pray with you. The worship team's going to come back up. And lead in one more song. And this is your time to get things right. That person, that living stone could be right next to you. And you being at odds with them. God said, ah, I know the right person for you. Some of you some quirky little folks. <laughs> and God just, <laughs> guys are just, wow. And God will bring the right person around you. Rub, rub those, those jagged edges down. 
That's what he's doing. So let's close in prayer. Let's, let's get our hearts right with the Lord. Father, we just pray, Lord, that you will work in our hearts. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in our midst. And God, I just pray, first of all, if there's anyone here who has not surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, they have not repented and accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray, Lord, that they have surrendered their life to you today. Lord, I pray for those who have walls up. Lord, walls up there at odds with some folks. And Lord, they don't know. They've been trying all kind of ways to knock the wall down. But now, Lord, you've spoken to their hearts. It's a, it's a work you have to do. It's not by power nor by might, but it's by your spirit. Well, Lord, we just want to submit ourselves to you, surrender ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If the Word Made Plain has been a source of inspiration and encouragement to you, why not consider becoming a Word Made Plain giving partner to keep this listener-supported program on the air? As a giving partner, you join forces with Calvary Chapel Newport News' kingdom vision of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can make your tax-deductible gift online at calvarynn.org or send your gift of any amount to 15553 Warwick Boulevard, Newport News, Virginia, 23608 and receive a gift from Calvary Chapel Newport News as our thank you. In addition to your financial support, we ask that you pray for the Word Made Plain broadcast, that it touches hearts and generates change in the lives of people around the world. We pray you've been blessed by God's Word today and hope you'll tune in next time to hear The Word Made Plain.